Hello, my name is Michael Albert, and I am the host of the podcast that's titled Revolution Z. This is our 142nd episode. We're closing on three years without so much as one week off. If you would like to help Revolution Z manage for another three years, it is easy to do. First, you can let others know about it. Use social media. Use your email. Just talk to folks. Whatever. Podcasts that focus on, well, honestly, in some cases, utter trivia, manage to do it. Can we? Second, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.org, and once there, you can contribute to help materially. Every donation is much appreciated. Okay, that bit of self-serving promotion complete, now I shall undertake some further promotion with a different focus. I have a book coming out. It is titled No Bosses, A New Economy for a Better World, but we can just call it No Bosses. The publisher is Zero Books, and you can actually advance order it on the Zero Books site now, and likewise at various other book sites, if not already, then certainly very soon. More, it has a really nice book page put together by Eugene Nolman and Mark Evans, both from the UK. The page is at nobossesbook, one word, nobossesbook.com. No Bosses, as the title evidences, is about getting beyond capitalism to a new economy. I should say, as well, there is a course in the online school at sscc.teachable.com using the book and developing the economic vision. I hope you will take a look at that, too. I'm really going to push, I guess push is the right word, this book because I think it is succinct, accessible, and true to its topic, economic vision. But, and here comes more promotion, I am not alone in thinking it has merit. So, here are some excerpts from promotion by others. Noam Chomsky, who has a foreword in the book, writes, quote, A prime goal of Albert's work is to help to reinvigorate that common understanding and to revive the commitment to mutual aid and solidarity, and most important, to spell out in some detail how the goals can be realized. Yanis Varoufakis of DM25 in Europe, who also has a foreword in the book, writes from Greece, No bosses means that no one tells anyone what to do from above, not owners or commissars. But how do things get done, comes the inevitable question. To answer it, Michael begins analytically, methodically, by first answering the question, how should things not get done? Ron Daniels of the Institute of the Black World writes, quote, After Sanders and Black Lives Matter, amidst COVID and global warming, many ask, what's next? Michael Albert's new book, No Bosses, proposes an answer for economics from self-managed decision-making to balanced work and from equitable incomes to ending class division. No Bosses should be widely read as we assess the way forward in this unprecedented moment in the history of this nation. Medea Benjamin of Code Pink writes, quote, Michael Albert's No Bosses is easy reading, thanks to his unique folksy style, but heavy thinking. Be ready to challenge your own narrow view of the possible. I recommend that after every sentence, paragraph, or chapter that has you saying, nice idea, but it just won't work, remind yourself that the present system doesn't work, unless, of course, you think Jeff Bezos deserves to make $10 million an hour and the climate crisis is not an existential threat. So read it with delight at the creative ways we can organize, as soon as possible, to sweep Mr. Moneybags into the dustbin of history and create the new, equitable, participatory, empowering, and sustainable world that we want to live in. Jeremy Brecker, the author of Strike, writes, quote, Tired of working for a boss, but don't want to just trade your boss for a new boss? Tired of living in a system run by bosses, but don't want to swap it for a system run by other bosses? 
Take a look at Michael Albert's No Bosses, A New Economy for a Better World. You'll have a hard time finding a better guide to moving from capitalism to a genuinely free, equal, and participatory economy. Nikos Raptis, a civil engineer from Greece, writes, Michael Albert has the courage and the background to propose solutions to the multitude of our social problems in his new book. Also, he has the life experience to suggest, don't just cling and curse, swim. For this, he uses one of the most important words in our social vocabulary, resist. Resistance, in essence, is a moral act, and we do not resist alone. We resist together with our neighbor, or, as he puts it, all people share responsibilities. Ezekiel Adamowski, Argentine activist, writes, The collapse of socialist and Soviet-type experiences became a heavy burden for post-capitalist perspectives precisely at a time when they are most needed. Michael Albert has devoted his life to recreating visions and a strategy towards a better future. No Bosses, a new economy for a better world, offers a refined, compelling argument in favor of a non-capitalist participatory economics. His vision is of utmost importance for people and social movements struggling for a better world. Kathy Kelly, activist extraordinaire, writes, Michael Albert firmly rejects capitalism, often through bluntly questioning its basic tenets. Why should people who already have so much be entitled to get more? Why not admire and pursue excellence and expertise without rewarding it with undue material wealth or social power? The arguments in No Bosses go well beyond iconoclasm. Seriously and carefully, Albert aims to create a framework, a scaffold for a worthy economic plan. Building on three decades of research, he describes participatory economics with enjoyable candor, raising as many questions as he answers and inviting readers to set cynicism aside. My advice, equip yourself with a big why not and give this vision plenty of attention. Okay, that was a bit hard for me to do, and I am not even done yet. What follows is the introduction to No Bosses, and hopefully all of this, coupled with what I hope will be your own anti-capitalist leanings and your desires to give them visionary substance, will leave you thinking, maybe I ought to take a look at this book. The introduction begins with a couple of quotes, as do all the chapters. The first quote is, quote, tell no lies, claim no easy victories. It comes from the revolutionary Amilcar Cabral. The second quote is, quote, it's been a long time coming, but I know change going to come. Oh, yes, it will. That comes from Sam Cooke. And then, finally, we have the introduction itself, which goes like this. Behind closed doors, I write, outside people die. Outside the wealthy get richer. Outside the poor get poorer. This is America. This is the world. March 2021. Fifty-eight years ago, Sam Cooke sang, A Change Gonna Come. Yesterday, Arundhati Roy asked, Will we walk through a gateway between one world and the next, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, our avarice, our data banks and dead ideas, our dead rivers and smoky skies behind us? Or will we walk through lightly, with little luggage, ready to imagine a new world and ready to fight for it? Winter, spring, summer, fall, 2021, 2022, 2023. Will we mobilize vociferously, but nonetheless slip side toward downbeat normality? Will we organize deeply and thereby dance toward upbeat liberation? Will we suffer miserably in a gasping old world? Will we flourish gloriously in a better new world? To transcend disease, depravity, sadism, catastrophe, and firestorm, big change will have to come. But big change will require steadfast, informed collectivity. 
Big change will require unified motion. Big change will require no lies. But big change to what? Don't deny the obvious. Humans can be cruel. Israeli virus-infected settler gangs spit on Palestinians to sicken them. American youths gleefully call the virus a boomer remover. Teenage parties invite guests with COVID, charge admission, and offer prizes for whoever first gets virused. Kids kill classmates to rule school corridors. Corporate vermin impose misery to enlarge profits. Nations pour hard rain onto other nations. Militarized police crush bare necks dead. Pharmacies impose murderous vaccine apartheid. Landlords produce raging homelessness. Employers endlessly impoverish. Media lies. Cruelty. Don't deny the obvious. Humans can be kind. Mutual aid proliferates street to street, home to home. Blacks revolt, whites join. Neighbors share. Organizers block evictions. People deploy selflessness. Change rears up. Desire grows. Material resources appear. Optimism rises. Trillions for the already rich? Why not trillions for the unnecessarily poor? Bailouts for the unceasingly elevated? Why not health care, housing, education, and empowerment for the tediously trampled? Pragmatism pivots left. I've got your back, you've got mine. Produce integrity, not pollution. Distribute dignity, not submission. Save the planet. Kindness. As desperation surges, we cling to hospitals, druggists, and police. As mortification multiplies, we beseech banks, corporations, courts, and legislatures. As outrage explodes, we curse them all. As insurgency rises, we assault them all. Society's institutions spit floods. Society's institutions deploy leaky rafts. North, south, east, and west. High water everywhere. High water rising higher. What to do? What's the lesson? Reject internalized docility. Reject habitual obedience. Replace leaky life rafts. Don't just cling and curse. Swim. Don't just hunker down. Reach out. Don't just mobilize. Organize. We have no choice. Nine to five heart attack machines are everywhere. There will be no easy victories. We overcome or we die. Apocalyptic rhetoric? No. This is the coming of the third decade of the 21st century. Suffer the verities of virus? Resist. Suffer the ravages of racism? Resist. Suffer global climate dissolution? Resist. Suffer gender deprivation? Resist. Suffer economic impoverishment? Resist. But not so fast. Prior decades teach that needing big change will not alone win big change. Desiring big change will not alone win big change. Even believing big change is going to come will not alone win big change. Resist to what end? We hate how contemporary life constricts and kills. We are courageous, committed, and confident. We resist. But without shared vision of what we seek, our courageous, committed, and confident resistance will ultimately deposit us back where we began. Without capacity and consciousness to persist, we will travel from outsized COVID, resurgent racism, and flaming fascism back to normal-sized business as usual. We will cling to leaky life rafts, but not replace them. We will polish the old nasty normal, but not end it. And the old nasty normal will end us. To attain a better world, we must replace today's institutions like a transplant replaces a dying heart. 
Keep society breathing while we operate. Scorched earth would burn us too. Our actions must mitigate present-day injustice. To do less would be callous. Our actions must win changes in the present. To do less would forego the experience of struggle that arouses people to seek more. Our actions must envision, advocate, seek, and finally win a succession of new presents that accelerate into a better future. To do less would forego hope and produce despair. But into what future? When we suffer losses, our experiences must inform later wins. When we enjoy victories, our experiences must ensure that we fight on to a new world. Our losses and our victories must together accumulate awareness, connections, and organization. We must win a trajectory of synchronized gains. We must bury the old and birth the new. To do less would lose. We must win. Win what? Do I sound naive? Does this sound pie-eyed? Here is the harsh truth. We have no other choice. Alone on foot in the desert, we must walk until we reach water. To curse the sun's heat and bemoan the sands, seeming endlessness while standing still, guarantees death. We must walk, march, prance, dance, run. But where to? First, what values can inform a long march to a new world? That all people share responsibilities and benefits fairly. That all people collectively self-manage their own situations. That social options and outcomes express the full diversity of human potentials. That all people feel solidarity and even empathy toward all other people. That across the world, what's good for one is warranted for all. That the planet enjoys sustainability and stewardship. Second, what changes can ensure that a better future fulfills such guiding values? What arrangements can ensure that we always wisely and ceaselessly invest in the day after tomorrow's tomorrow? What attitudes and practices can ensure that we continually reharmonize with each other and with our ever-changing planet? A new world should always be busy being born. A new world should never be busy dying. But what new norms and structures can meet that high standard? To seek what we want, we must envision it and describe it. Okay already, let's get on with it. But wait, there is an important caveat. To build a bridge over troubled waters, we have to preconceive fine details. But to build a bridge to a better future is different. We have no capacity to preconceive fine details. More, it is not our place to determine the detailed preferences of everyone in a better future. We cannot know finely detailed future choices, even if we had a right to do so. It is beyond our experience. More, a worthy future will reveal many good choices that will differ from one time to another, from one society to another, and even within a single society, from one region to another. There is no one worthy future. For a new future, we should not propose, share, and pursue a detailed blueprint. We should envision only what we can now show to be necessary for future citizens to be prepared, able, and institutionally propelled to determine their own finely detailed fates. We should propose a scaffold of a new world. A scaffold can provide hope, guidance, and means. A scaffold can accept details when experience yields them. A scaffold doesn't go too far. A scaffold can go far enough. Different people typically hear an advisory like the above differently. Many people's books, essays, and other works claim to address a vision for a better future, but first analyze past and present relations. 
When the dust settles, the resultant works are typically 90%, 95%, or even 99% about what we endure and barely at all about what we want. The 90%, 95%, or even 99% about what we endure provides sound arguments that prove our present is perverse. But the 1%, 5%, or even 10% about what we want fall horribly short of providing worthy, workable vision. No bosses, a new economy for a better world, is not going to fit on the same shelf as those works. No bosses may be less eloquent. Some of no bosses' arguments may prove less sound. As a proposal, no bosses will propose, not declare. It will need improvement from ideas still to be thought and from experiences still to be had. No bosses mainly addresses economics. It's every page knows, however, that we don't live by economy alone. We also need vision for racial and community, gender and sexual, political, international, and ecological relations to overcome cynicism, provide hope, inspire efforts, and orient strategy. Does No Bosses present a sufficiently useful, workable, and evidence scaffold for experience to fill out? Chapter 1 offers a short list of key vision-orienting values. Chapters 2 through 7 respectively address economic commons, decision-making, classless division of labor, equitable income, rejected markets and central planning, and finally, new participatory planning. Chapter 8 considers how our proposed economic vision might intersect new community, kinship, political, and ecological vision. Suppose our economic vision, implemented, would be classless, equitable, self-managing, and consistent with equally visionary new cultural, kinship, political, international, and ecological relations. Nonetheless, a question would remain. Would our vision be just a thought dream, or could we navigate from where we are today to where we hope to arrive tomorrow? Chapter 9 offers a bit of strategy, a bit of tactics, and a bit of mindset. A final, more personal chapter assesses and situates the whole discussion. A short bibliography then points to some selected sources and references. Some books entertain and edify. Some books inspire, engage, and instigate. No bosses would love to do all that, but mainly seeks to prod and provoke. Will you find its economic vision sufficiently worthy to elaborate, advocate, and use as you see fit? Finally, what might we call our proposed economic vision? Originally, it was called Participatory Economics, or PARECON for short. Some have taken to calling it Participatory Socialism, as part of a participatory society. But a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, and a thorn by any other name would hurt as deep. Rose or thorn, you decide. Well, that's the introduction. The book is about economic vision. I am willing to bet that virtually everyone hearing this episode of Revolution Z believes capitalism is theft, capitalism is indignity, capitalism is ecocide. So perhaps trying for a shared vision, not a blueprint, but enough to provide hope and to inform the task of planting the seeds of the future and the present is worth a look. I hope you will think so. And if you do, I hope that in time you will let me know your reactions and perhaps even join me in the sscc.teachable.com course. How else can we share and improve? And, that said, this is Michael Albert, signing off until next time for Revolution Z.